How many enjoyed worshiping this morning? Amen. 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 I'll tell you, doing, doing two services is great because you get to enjoy it twice. I, I might just stay after service and play through that set again. Amen. Amen. Just think in heaven we won't have to stop from worshiping the Lord. Amen. Amen. Better get used to it now. Galatians chapter 5, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and we've covered the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and we did that in two parts. I'm going to read Galatians 5, 16 through 25. It's going to give us a list of the deeds of the flesh. It's going to give us a list of the fruit of the Spirit, and those two contrasting things. Realize the flesh is easy. We do it instinctively without ever being taught. But the fruit of the Spirit is a learned behavior. The Holy Spirit teaches us and shapes us and changes us from the inside out so these things are produced in and through us. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word and not only for just the word but the power of the Holy Spirit to make the word come to pass in our lives. Father, that we're not just reading things that we could never enjoy or never attain but Holy Spirit, you're working them in us. So allow the fruit of the Spirit to be produced in your people. It's the greatest proof of our salvation, Lord, and we, we ask for its fruit in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh which is its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So we see two competing lists. They are diametrically opposed to each other. There's a conflict there. There's a clash. We see that in verse 17. What? It's the flesh against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And we all feel that internal struggle. You know, we've seen on TV, they kind of make a caricature of it. They put an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. Hopefully you have at least one of each. <laughs> but we, we look at that and you say, what is that? It's just caricature of the internal struggle that's within every human being, the flesh that wants to carry out the works of the flesh, and then the Spirit of God working in the children of God to produce the character of God in us. We looked at love, which was the first 
uh, fruit of the Spirit. It's the number one fruit because without it, all the others are impossible or inconsequential. You know, how can we have kindness without love? How can we have goodness without love? How can we have gentleness or self-control without love? Love is the foundation, and God is love, and we as the children of God need to be lovers of God, of the church, of our fellow man, of our families, of our spouses, of our children. We got a lot of loving to do. When you wake up on Monday morning, just get out of bed and start loving people, amen? amen. So we covered love in two parts, and it is the foundational fruit of the Spirit. It has to be produced in us. Uh, it is an essential but there are more fruits listed in the list, and so we move on today, and we look at the second one, which is joy. And it says here the, the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience. We're going to get to those, but realize these build upon each other. These build off of one another. Love is the foundational one. Now the next comes joy. Joy is the second fruit of the spirit, and it comes out of love. It, joy has to be carefully defined this morning. Here's why. Because we often confuse joy with happiness. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. And we're going to see that there is a, a difference between them. And there are times where we might not feel very happy, but we have the joy of the Lord that transcends everything going on in our life. Amen. That might seem confusing today, so we've got to get a working definition of joy. Here's a biblical understanding of joy. Listen, joy flows from a right relationship with God. It is not based on feelings, situations, circumstances, or performance. Joy comes as a calming, comprehensive faith in God. That I'm not just trusting him for this or that or this thing and I'm worrying about this thing. No, it's a comprehensive faith in God to trust him for everything so that we can have joy. Joy allows the believer to respond to even the most difficult circumstances of life with an inexplicable level of inner peace, contentment, and satisfaction. See, joy is different than happiness, and we're going we're gonna to get a definition of happiness so we can contrast the two. Happiness is an emotional response built on what's happening around us at the moment. Happiness, happenings, what's happening around us. If what's happening around the, us at the moment is pleasing to us or looks like it's going our way or we're happy with it, then we can be happy and we think that's joy. Happiness does not transcend life circumstances. Rather, it's based on them going our way or not. If it's going our way, I must have joy. I'm happy. If it's not going our way, I don't have any joy because I'm not happy. Have you ever been there? And it's easy to confuse the two. But I want to tell you, joy is something bigger than happiness. It's bigger than what's happening in or around us. And it transcends those things. And the Lord wants us to have it as a gift today. Let's explore what the scripture says about joy. The first thing I want you to know about joy is that joy, well, let's figure out where do you find it. You ever walk into the grocery store and look around and, and you know you need a few things? I don't know about you, my eyes have gone, and sometimes I forget my glasses, and then you'll see me in tops just staring at those big signs, right? Because I don't know where to find anything, Pastor Mike. You know, and then they move stuff around every once in a while, too. Maybe there's a camera, and they, he knows where it is now. Let's move it. But we got to know where stuff is found. 
And we've got to know where joy is found. And I'm going to tell you flat out in easy terms to understand where joy is found. Joy is found in the presence of God. That's where joy is found. If you haven't found joy, then you're not looking there. If you found joy in other things besides that, it's not real joy. Joy is found in the presence of God. Psalm 16 Verse 11 says, you will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Did you hear that? In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. When we have the joy of the Lord, we can enjoy the pleasures and the blessings of life. And then we have happiness and it all works together. But in that order, in your presence is fullness of joy. I want you to get that today. It's not a little bit of joy. It's not the bare minimum of joy. It's not just enough joy to get you by. It's fullness. I want you to see our God is not a cheapskate. He's not a God. He's not stingy. He's not in heaven with a a big bag of joy, and he's just throwing little bits out like he's feeding chickens. No, he lavishes it on us. He, He dumps it on us. He pours it over us, amen. That's the God we serve. And you say, well, how do I get it in his presence? And the thing is, you and I can have as much of the presence of God as we want. And we're going to look at this. You know, God is not there again limiting his presence. On this side of the cross in the New Testament, the veil of the Holy of Holies was torn in two so that we could come through and have access to the presence of God. Amen. In the Old Testament, the high priest could only come in once a year. That's all the presence they got. But you and I have full access to the, to the presence of God. We can come to church and enjoy the presence of God. We can worship in the tabernacle and enjoy the presence of God. And we can have as much of the presence of God as we want. So joy comes from God's presence. And I want to say some things. Every moment we live outside of God's presence is an opportunity for our flesh, for the devil, for the world around us to distract and oppress us, to confuse and depress us. Have you ever been aggravated or just miserable, angry, fed up? Come on, anybody? Anybody fed up? (laughs) This is not the altar call. I'm going somewhere with this. (laughs) But there are things that, you know, we can go through. There's things that we can endure in life, and, and they pull us away from the presence of God. And you and I need to realize that joy is found there. So if something's keeping us away from God's presence, maybe it's sin, maybe it's uh, shame, maybe it's, you know, this feeling of not being able to have a relationship, and we're, we're bad at relationships, so we don't go into the presence of God because we, we feel awkward or we feel sinful, God wants to teach us to come into his presence and to receive the joy that he has for us. It's not a fleeting thing. It's not a passing thing or a momentary joy. It's the fullness of joy. God is looking to lavish it upon us. He's not a God of just enough. No, he's a gracious God with gracious provision, and he pours out his blessings on his children. Now, I want you to learn how to have this joy that we're talking about today. It's when we learn to make the presence of God our habitation and not a visitation. When we learn to make the presence of God our habitation, what does that mean? We live there. Not a visitation that once in a while we stop by. 
You got to get this. Why? Because most Christians, most people who say they're Christians, they, 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 their experience with the presence of the Lord is a visitation. I come to church on Sunday, I feel the presence of the Lord. I worship the Lord a little bit, I feel his presence. I come on Wednesday, I feel his presence. Then it's a visitation. God doesn't want us just to visit his presence. He wants us to live in his presence. It's possible to make the presence of the Lord our habitation, that we live there. When we learn to seek him and pray without ceasing and continually commune and connect with him all day long, walking in the spirit, feeling the presence of God wherever we go, this is possible for us as Christians. Mm. God, teach us. Holy Spirit, teach us how to not just visit you, but to live in your presence. See, the awesome thing about heaven is we're never going to have to be outside the presence of the Lord again. The awesome thing about heaven is we're going to constantly be in the presence of God. Father, teach us on earth how to not just visit you, but to live in your presence, to walk in the fullness of it, because that's where the joy is. Every minute we spend outside the presence of God is an opportunity for our enemy. Number two, the second thing I want to say about the joy of the Lord is this. God wants to fill us with his joy. Remember, I said he's not cheap. He's not stingy. He's not a little dabble, do you? He's like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to flood you with it. I'm going to cover you with it. As Christians, you know, we can be filled with a lot of things besides the joy of the Lord. Listen to Romans 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. It didn't say fill you with all knowledge, fill you with all understanding, fill you with all wisdom. No, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us with joy. Why? So we can abound in hope, so we can walk in the Spirit of God. He wants us to have that joy. It's the strength that keeps us on the course, amen? Now, as Christians, we want to be filled with joy, but the problem is we can get filled with a lot of things that rob our joy. You realize there's some things that rob our joy? You say, like what, Pastor? Like fear, like anger, like jealousy, like bitterness, like striving, like lust. All of those things rob our joy. Do you know how easily fear can rob your joy? That's why the devil uses fear as his number one weapon against us. Because when he comes to us and makes us afraid, now we're not operating in faith anymore, and it disconnects us from God. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he brings fear to us, and we get afraid, and then all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord is gone, and it's swallowed up by fear. I don't know how many times in my own life that the enemy's injected fear into me and it has robbed the joy of the Lord from me. And now all of a sudden where I should have peace and I should have faith and I shouldn't have any doubt, now I'm coming unglued. Have you been there? We all have. Fear can rob the joy of the Lord. Jealousy, bitterness. How, how about unforgiveness? When, we, when we, we say, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't, you don't know how they abused me. We've all been there. But when we refuse to forgive, we can't be in bitterness and have joy at the same time. The two just don't mix together. 
And so that's why forgiveness is such an important thing for the Christian. Why? Because I, I, know, I know they hurt you. I know they mistreated you. And I know that they might not even be sorry. But you've got to forgive so that you can have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, so that you don't get robbed of the joy that God has for you. God wants to fill us with joy. But listen, I want to tell you the key to being filled with joy. We've got to be humble enough to be emptied. I'm going to say that again. I want to be filled with joy. Well, you're already full of something, Rick, and we got to empty you of it. You thought that was funny, huh? You know, when we're full, we, there's no more room. Have, have you ever had to put stuff in a place that was full? Come on, anybody have a garage? Have you looked in your attic lately? You pull the steps down and you go up there and it's like, try and throw things. When something's full and you got to put stuff in it, there's no room. You got to empty things out. We got to throw things out. Throw it out. We're so full of stuff that there's no room for joy in us. Full of doubt, full of fear, full of anxiety, full of stress, full of, you know, I want more, I want this, I want that. Lust, drivenness. It's got to go. You say, well, why does it have to go? Because there's no room for joy. So the thing about being filled with joy is we got to be humble enough to be emptied, humbled enough to be stripped. Some of us don't want to be stripped. We're spiritual hoarders. I want this. I want that. I ain't letting that go. I need this. I got to have it. I don't want to. Oh, no, this is my favorite thing. That's stripping. That empties us. That gives God room and the Holy Spirit room to import the fullness of joy, the fullness of joy into our lives. I want to be filled. Well, Rick, you got to be humble enough to be stripped. You got to be humbled enough to be empty. And then we can be filled with joy. The third thing I want to say about joy is this. And I'm going to move through these five things. We're on number three. Maintaining our joy requires obedience. Oh, man, this is where, can I just have joy like, you know, like a, uh, an article of clothing? I got it hung up in my closet. I can put it on whenever I want. No, joy from the Lord, the fullness of it requires us to be obedient to Christ. Now, the caveat is this, o- obedient to Christ. We can be obedient to, you know, uh, the people around us, our boss, the, the, the law, the government. We can, well, I'm a good citizen. I pay my taxes. I do what I'm supposed to do, you know, and, and, I, and I should be blessed. No, th- that's obedience and it's good, but it's not as important as us being obedient to Christ. Jesus has told us some things to do. He's told us, he's given us a great commission. He's called us to be light in the darkness. There's a lot of things in the New Testament that as Christians, New Testament Christians, you and I need to be doing. And our lack of obedience often costs us the joy of the Lord. Now, being obedient to Christ is something that's worked into our lives throughout our whole lives. None of us get it completely perfect, but we've got to be working towards it. Why? Because that pleases him and allows the joy of the Lord to fall upon us. We've all experienced moments of joy. Anybody? Once in 1972, I was joyful for... We've all had seasons of joy. You know, maybe a, a newly married or a new baby or a promotion or a vacation. Seasons of joy. 
So we know moments of joy. We know seasons of joy. But the thing is, you know, have we ever lived in a perpetual state of joy? Now, I have to, I have to ask the question, is it even possible to be in a perpetual state of joy? Now, let's unpack this here. Since the Christian life includes trials, tribulations, suffering, disappointment, uh, loss, is perpetual joy even possible? Now, nobody wants to answer because they're like, it's a trap, it's a trap, it's a trap. Don't answer. And the thing is, yes and no. Yes, we can have the joy of the Lord deep in our soul that is a constant there all the time, but there's going to be moments in life when we are shattered and broken and empty and sad. And it would be really weird if in those moments you were like, I have the joy of the Lord. You're at the funeral in front of the casket. You lost a, 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 a son, a daughter, a, a father, a mother, and you're like, I'm just so joyful today. <laughs> Sometimes the joy is not an out, outward external manifestation like that. Sometimes it's just a deep witness in your soul that says, I'm broken, I'm shattered, but I know the Lord's got this. Right now, I don't feel any good thing in my flesh, but I know the Lord is with me. I, I don't have a smile today. I don't have peace right now, but I know God has my tomorrow and that he has joy for me, amen? So that joy, it's that, it's that inner anchor that inner foundation that no matter what we're going through we have it and it comes when we're obedient to Christ that we know we're in step with him we're doing the right things we're not robots we're not you know programmed to just smile and be happy and say praise the Lord all the time sometimes we're broken read the Psalms the psalmist was shattered broken the Psalms are blues songs You listen to them, they weren't fake. They weren't like, oh, you know, I'm so happy right now. I'm devastated, I'm broken, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. Why? Because I've been obedient to God and I know that good things are coming my way. And today might not be the day, but I can trust in the Lord, amen. In spite of all that Jesus promised, you know, he said that joy would come to us. Listen to John 15, 10 through 12. He says, if you keep my commandments, did he, did he see that if? Don't you hate ifs? Because that means something's required of us. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. So Jesus is saying, I'm only asking you to do what I've done. Jesus never asked us to do stuff that he was unwilling to do. If you keep my commandments and remain in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and remain in his love, listen, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be made full. Did you hear that? That my joy, say my. my. That's Jesus. My joy may be in you so that your joy may be full. Jesus wants his joy to become our joy. And that comes by obedience. Amen. If there's no joy, if there's no peace, if there's constant trauma and drama and trouble, then we've got to say, am I obedient? Am I in obedience to the call of God in my life? And I am in obedient to Jesus. It, it may not be that, but it may be. 
And we've got to be humble enough to entertain that. Maybe it's me. Maybe I need to tune up some things. But Jesus wants to make his joy our joy. Joy is a divine impartation that comes from Christ. He wants to give it to us, but it requires obedience. And realize the enemy will try every way for you to compromise and be disobedient so that he can put a lid over you. And when God pours out the joy, it spills everywhere but on you. Obedience to the Lord is how we maintain our joy. Number two, maintaining our joy not only requires obedience to Christ, but it requires us to be in step with the Holy Spirit. You know the Bible says that we're to walk in the Spirit. We're to live Spirit-filled lives. Come on. Say amen so I can move on. So we've got to be obedient to Christ, but I think it's possible to, in some regard, say, well, I, you know, I do what Jesus told me, and I try, and I'm in church, and I'm doing this, and I'm being a witness, but I'm not, I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead my life. I'm still uh, an independent contractor. I, I'm still sovereign. I do my own thing my own way, and I ask God to bless it. Well, let me tell you, when we do that and we resist the leading of the Holy Spirit and we do our thing our way, there are times our way is the wrong way and it's going to cost us the joy of the Lord faster than anything else I know. So we've got to be obedient to Christ, but we also have to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's the kingdom. It's joy. It comes from the Lord. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And when we are in step with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit, even if he leads us into tough situations, we're going to have the joy of the Lord in those situations because it's the obedience that releases it. The apostle Paul walked into literal hell holes where they arrested him and beat him and stoned him and drowned him and did everything you could think of. But if you read the epistles, you see that Paul had an overwhelming sense of joy, even in hardship, that he knew the Lord was with him and the joy of the Lord was in him. Why? Because he was obedient to the call of God in his life. And you and I can have the same thing, but not without obedience not without being in step with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit leads us, when we allow ourselves to be led, and there again, it's a humbling thing to give up control. All you control freaks, raise your... No, I'm just kidding. I gotta be in control. I don't trust anyone. Well, I get that. But you can trust Jesus. You can trust the Holy Spirit. He'll never steer you wrong. He's going to ask me to do some hard things. It'll be a blessing. He'll be with you in the hardship. Like the Apostle Paul, you'll have joy in the midst of the trials. Amen. Count it all joy. Amen. We can't disconnect ourselves from this. We want the joy of the Lord. He wants to give us the joy of the Lord. But it takes obedience to Christ. It takes us being in the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit, living a Spirit-led life. These are not just rhetorical Christian things that we say, well, I'm Spirit-filled, Spirit-led. They're not just words. God expects us to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us what that means and to walk it out in our daily living. Wow. What fills us 
when we allow Jesus to make his joy and put his joy in us, he fills us by divine impartation. The Holy Spirit leads us in that divine impartation, and we learn to hear that still, small voice. That's where it begins. How do we walk in the Spirit? Listen to what the Spirit is saying. I said something in first service, and it was a little bit... You know, it was a little bit funny, but it was jarring in the sense where, you know what, you and I just have to be dumb enough to listen. Yeah. And all the smart people, yeah. I got a 160 IQ, I'm real smart, I'm real dumb. If you and I don't listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that's foolish. Yeah. And foolish is dumb. Yeah. And here's what I want you to understand, uh, where... Uh, where I say, you know, we, we have to be dumb enough just to listen. There are some people who are too smart to listen. I'm going to take my time. You're right. Some people are too smart to listen to their boss, to listen to the teacher, to listen to the pastor, to listen to God, to listen to the Holy Spirit. They are too smart. Well, I don't need you to tell me what to do. I don't, you know, I don't need anybody. I don't need to, you know, I, I can figure it out myself. I can do it. I can lead myself. Well, you see, sometimes the intellect is our biggest obstacle. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? Should we all be dummies? No, God gave us a brain, amen, we should use it. But we shouldn't allow our intellect to make us feel like we're so smart that we don't have to listen to God. Do you, do you see the people who are outside the kingdom? Oh, they're so smart. They have this degree and that degree and this degree, and they don't believe. Sometimes that simple person that simple person that just sees the stars in the sky and sees the mountains and sees the stream and goes, I, I know there's a God and believes, amen. It's, we need to be a little more simple. We, we, we can't be like, well, I'm too smart to know. You and I, I, in my life, I've learned that if I can just learn to hear the still small voice and then be reflexively obedient to what I'm told to do, it'll get me where I need to be in God, Amen. Just listen, just hear and obey, hear and obey. Not argue, not complain, not say I don't want to, not say, hey, God, I thought of a better way. Mm. I'm preaching now. So maintaining our joy requires us being in step with the Holy Spirit, requires us to be humble enough to give up our own autonomy and allow ourselves to be led learning to hear the still small voice and, and being humble enough to hear and obey. I want to close with this last point. The strength of our joy is built on God's amazing grace. How do I keep this joy? How do I maintain it? Well, I'm obedient to Christ and I'm walking in the spirit, but then we've got to understand what the joy of the Lord in our lives is built on and then we will realize that, you know, it's a work of the Holy Spirit that it, it's, it's evident in our lives and that we maintain it. In Nehemiah 8.10, the prophet says something to the, the children of Israel here and he's really calling them to kind of just take a moment and, and feast and celebrate and enjoy God's presence. And you might think when I read this that, you know, well, Israel, you know, has pleased God. They're doing the right things. He's happy with them. He's telling them to, you know, enjoy the things of God. Listen to what it says here in Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Did you hear that? Have some bacon, have a Coke. 
Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those from whom have nothing prepared. Listen, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, you might think, oh, wow, Israel finally got it together and pleased the Lord. But if you look into that text and the condition right there, that's not the case at all. They had sinned. They had failed to keep the law. They had let God down at every turn, yet they're told to celebrate and to rejoice and not to sorrow, not because of their performance, but because God's favor was on them and the joy of the Lord was a gift of grace to them. Celebrate, enjoy, eat the fat, drink the sweet, you know, celebrate and have a party. Why? Not because you're a performance, not because you did everything right, not because, you know, you you followed it. No, because of my grace, I'm going to pour my joy out on you, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a work of grace. If you're sitting out there and think, you know, it's a good message, Pastor, but you don't know, I don't deserve the joy. If you're sitting out there going, you know, my performance hasn't been too good and the the enemy's, uh, you know, proven to me that I'm unworthy and joy is for everybody else, but it's not for me, then you don't understand joy because it's not performance-based, it's grace-based. And so you and I need to receive it today. Receive it today. Come on, your sins are forgiven. They've been swallowed up in the blood of the Lamb. You're righteous in the sight of God. He loves you. He has plans for your life to bless you and not to harm you. Receive the joy of the Lord today. Stop being too smart to receive it. Stop being too cerebral and intellectual about it. Well, I need to calculate. Stop. It's grace. Unmerited favor. It's not built on your past. It's not built on your, you know, where you blew it here and you blew it there. And No, just receive today. He says, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Too many of us are weak as Christians because we don't have the joy of the Lord. We've exchanged it. We've let things rob it. We've got fear and anxiety and all the drivenness of life rob our joy. We based it on performance and we've come up short, but it's a work of grace today. You and I are the children of God and the joy of the Lord is found in his presence. So let's learn to make his presence a habitation, not a visitation. Let's allow the Lord to fill us with his joy and be humble enough to be emptied so that we can be filled. And then with our obedience to Christ and walking in tune with the Holy Spirit, the grace of God can pour down upon us and we can be strengthened by the joy that comes from Jesus. Remember, he said, I want to make my joy your joy. Let's bow our heads this morning.